So, I'm so up. I, I don't know when this is gonna end. I have another 40 miles to ride. Like, I'm f I, what the f This is the Bike Pack Racing Podcast with Ezra Ward-Packard and Andrew Onerma. Welcome back to the Bike Pack Racing Podcast. This is episode 19. I am your host, Ezra Ward-Packard, and I am joined by Andrew Onerma. Andrew, how's it going today? I'm great, man. I'm back. Uh, we're about to nerd out on some Colorado riding. I already had one Voodoo Ranger, and I got a few queued up, so I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. Let's let's do it. Nice. So, <laughs> whole point of this episode is oh, one two episodes ago, I went through my Tour Divide experience. It's Andrew's time to talk about his North to South Colorado experience, which was very very different than my experience. I DNF'd, Andrew won. So, Andrew, month removed, how are we feeling? How is that? I feel like we're kind of past the stage where it's just like everything is awesome because you just want a bike race. Like, <laughs> I feel like that lasts like maybe a week, week and a half. Then after that, there's kind of like this dip. So, where are we in the spectrum? Are we doing good? Are we still stoked on bikes? How are we feeling about everything? It's funny you mentioned that. Like a few days ago, I totally forgot about this race altogether, to be honest. Like every once in a while, I just remember. Like, oh, yeah, I rode across Colorado, and uh, that was a sick ride. And I guess I went faster than everybody else. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, I did. I had that week that you're talking about where it's you're kind of on cloud nine. And then uh, I had a week of going back to real life and be like, man, this is dumb. Bikes are expensive. I don't know about any of this. <laughs> Questioning all your life decisions. It's like, God damn it. You look at the credit card and it's yeah. like, no, why did I take a week off of work and go yeah. spend $50 at 10 different gas stations? What that am I one, doing with yeah, my life? That's one of my biggest jokes is like, I really wanted to put Capital One as my sponsor on track leaders. <laughs> it's not because like Capital One sponsors me. It's because they gave me a credit limit on my credit card. <laughs> like uh, they increased my limit. But then like, honestly, I had my 30th birthday towards the end of June and uh, my mom, she honestly helped out quite a bit to help make it happen. And my dad as well, which is really cool. And um, yeah, so it was like a, a combination of efforts where Capital One, my mom and my dad, thanks. Thanks to all three of you. <laughs> Great list of sponsors there. Great <laughs> list of sponsors. So, dude, honestly, I just want to hear all about north to south colorado how it went this year i did it that inaugural year this was year number two some changes to the course uh kind of the tail end like the start i think was pretty similar starting in fort collins and then heading south kind of bouncing i feel like the first year it was a little bit more onto the front range where we did go into Colorado Springs and then back up. So not really bouncing into the front range, but you are kind of riding along that first, I don't know what to call it. That first line of Rockies. I don't know if it has mm -hmm. a specific name in Colorado, but yeah, dude, go into it. How was yeah, it? I was curious how much it differed from your year. Uh, I mean, I would start with, so my whole, my whole thing was that with this was, instead of trying to do a few bikepacking races, driving there, 
showing up the night before or maybe two nights before doing it and then immediately leaving. I'd rather put all my eggs in one basket and have one longer trip to really try to enjoy it. So I, I set aside about a week and a half. And so I got out there a week before the race started. Part of it, I wasn't sure how I was going to handle the elevation. It's been over two years since I was living in Salt Lake City up at Snowbird. Uh, so haven't been at altitude for quite some time, either with altitude from anything I've heard or read with research, either you need to show up the night before and go full sand, or you need at least a week to try to acclimate. So like around three days early is kind of like the worst time to try to do it. So I showed up, got to Trinidad. Well, also, I mean, there's the whole fact that we're riding from North to South to Colorado and I still didn't know how I was going to get back to Fort Collins after finishing the race. Yeah. <laughs> so luckily we had a uh, Randy Wendell. He lives in hot Springs, Arkansas. He's been doing a lot of these different styles of races. He decided he wanted to go. So he was part of the shuttle system that we set up. And then Jacob Los, he uh, flew out. So we had three of us that were basically hanging out and uh, did the race. And then all of us were hanging out again at the end, which was really cool. So yeah, I got out there early. It was raining the first few days. I basically just did some spins, tried getting up to higher elevation to see how the body was handling it. Wanted to scout some sections of the route, but honestly, weather didn't really allow for it. Like I wanted to do the final pass, which I think is Cordova pass. And uh, it was just storming like crazy. And so I ended up doing, um, it's like Virginia Canyon road, I think out of Idaho Springs. Okay. I did that one day, got pretty muddy. It's gorgeous. Um, when I went to do it that week leading up to it, it was pretty rainy and muddy and overcast. So I couldn't see a lot of the surroundings but I got to see some. And then whenever I did it during the race, that was like super early morning. So I could actually see it. Uh, but I did like Mount Evans, which is the highest paved road in North America, got up to a little over 14,000 feet. And I felt really great on that, which was cool. I did it loaded down and everything, just testing out the, the setup, tire pressure, stuff like that. And yeah, it was basically just, I was doing a bunch of two hour rides is what I was doing one to two hour rides all week. And the rest of the time I was just chilling, just enjoying the scenery, getting to take in, um, I don't know, the environment and the different communities and the people and everything. So it was really cool. I think that's kind of what I'm trending towards more with any future races is being able to enjoy my time there for a little bit before going into that race mode. So I can just be very relaxed. So yep. what I found with work is if you're just working nonstop all the way right up to the race, and then you race and you go straight back to work. It just feels like there's no release. Like you never actually relax. And so it was really important to me to just like feel totally relaxed going into the start line to where I was just like, cool, this is going to be a really awesome big bike ride. And at some point it's going to start not feeling super great physically, but that's okay. At least right now I'm very relaxed and I'm excited to do this. So yeah, really the week leading up to it was checking out some different areas of Colorado. I picked up Jacob in Denver on like Wednesday uh, from the airport, got to hang out with uh, Chad and, oh man, it's going to drive me crazy. I can't remember. It's either his girlfriend or his wife. I can't remember her name, but they hosted us. We stayed the night there um, in Denver 
and he was nerding out about the route some, which I loved. He's done the Colorado trail a few times. He's done a ton of riding in Colorado and yeah, it was Thursday night, stayed in Fort Collins, got some food and beers with some people. And then I had a hostel room that night, did my classic. I think this is my classic move is I get a Domino's pizza the night before a race and I eat about half of it the night before carb loading. And then I put the other half of it in the frame bag. <laughs> and uh, I also got some cheesy breadsticks. So I ate about half of those as well. And I put the other half in my top two bag. I was very paranoid that I messed up the route file somewhere because I split it into a bunch of smaller files too. So I had okay. the route itself for this year was right around 595 miles. And I split it into, I think, six files in total. And I was obsessively like going back trying to make sure I didn't mess up anything. Uh, so I'm still up till like midnight or one o'clock the night before. So you start slightly sleep deprived, <laughs> like you get four hours of so sleep. So much for that relaxed start. Like I love that concept. Yeah, you're so chill all week. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I honestly love doing and I will try to do for every single race is riding from Calgary to Banff. Yeah. Like just yeah. those two days, like just that release of like, okay, get in that like, racing mindset and just kind of get used to living off the bike and it doesn't have yeah. to be super long it can be super short but that's something that Lael has historically done a ton you know she classically like rode to the start of the tour divide from alaska mm -hmm. has done stuff like that um i know silk road mountain race she like toured the entire course before then racing it a week later so like absolutely love that Staying yeah. up to 1 a.m. the <laughs> night before? Not so sure about that, yeah. dude. That's yeah. That's I mean, okay. Me out. So I was in the state of Colorado, so I did partake in some recreational marijuana. I know my mom's gonna listen to this, so I'm sorry. I did. I did do that. Uh, <laughs> but that that helped me sleep the night before. I was like, okay, Andrew, you just need to eat like two edibles right now and uh, like watch some Netflix and pass out. So I had already triple checked everything. One little minor detail is this outlet in the hostel was more finicky than I thought. So I went to go have some pizza and a beer or I ended up having some different food. And I had some chicken and waffles before I had my pizza. A lot of carb loading. So all the food, all the food. <laughs> whenever I left, I was charging my access battery or so I thought. So um I get back and I see the lights not on anymore. I'm like, cool. It's all charged. Throw that in the bag, swap out. Let's charge another one. Yada, yada, yada. Turns out that it was finicky. And I, I guess I had bumped it to where it wasn't charging that whole time. So, well, that's a little bit of foresight for what happens later. <laughs> but anyway, um, kind of a late falling asleep that night. We start at 6 a.m. Friday morning, which is kind of early, but it's already plenty of light. I still had not received my rental spot tracker yet. So I could not figure out where I wanted it on the bike yet, which was driving me nuts mentally. Like, where am I putting this thing? How am I attaching it? I really wanted it the night before so I could just get that taken care of and not think about it. Um, so with our whole shuttle system, I meet Randy and Jacob at a parking garage downtown Fort Collins before we get to the start line so they can drop some stuff off. Because uh, they stay in hotels and they're like, okay, we don't need all this with us on our bike ride. And we all rolled to the start together, which is great. Just very relaxed. You're just rolling, 
rolling to the start line with two great friends. Honestly, any race in the future I do now, I really want to show up with friends because it made such a different experience where I was way less in my head and just enjoying the moment as a whole. Yeah. Um, where it's just like, we're all hanging out doing something we love, which was really cool. Uh, but anyway, we get to the start line and it's 15 minutes until we start. And I'm just now getting my spot tracker. I meet Mark. Mark's super cool guy. He's enthusiastic. He's got coffee on the table. He's got donuts. So immediately I'm distracted oh, by that. Reason is game. <laughs> we didn't get that the first year. The first year there was just nothing. I think it was Mark with like a piece of paper. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he had, I grabbed like a, a chocolate sprinkle donut or whatever. Didn't have any coffee. And then I'm frantically like, oh shit, how do I attach this spot tracker? And then Randy ends up helping me out. He has an extra volley strap. We end up putting it on my seat bag, which I knew wasn't gonna be ideal because basically every single time I opened my seat bag, I was gonna have to take it off and readjust, close it back up. But it was like, I'm freaking out because it's already about to start. And um, so anyway, it's maybe two or three minutes before the start and I finally get the spot tracker on turned on i know it's working i double check track leaders and then they get everybody together for a group photo and we're in the group photo 6 a.m rolls around and i'm like it's six like i can tell it's six why are we not going and mark's just like well 6 a.m i guess we should maybe start this or something <laughs> like i should not like almost verbatim like something along along those lines and uh, I'm, I'm like, well, I'm not waiting. Like clock has started. I'm not like taking off in a sprint, but I'm not gonna sit here for another minute and wait for everybody else. Like it's six track leaders have started. So I start rolling. Uh, I guess I like kind of ran through this quickly, but I had been looking at the start list some leading up to this. And there's no names in particular where I was like, oh man, I know this person's gonna be like someone to look out for. And it's literally the night before when we're sitting down, hanging out, it's like me, uh, Jacqueline, Chastain, Andy Chastain, Jacob, Hannah, and Maggie, I believe, and maybe one other. Um, but we're all chatting. I'm talking to Andy. He's like, hey, who do you think's going to win this thing? And uh, Andy, he lives down in Bentonville. For those that don't know Andy, Andy's a super rad dude. He a uh, super strong rider. He does all the marketing for like the Meteor uh, for allied allied cycle works, a few different companies. And I told him like, I don't know, like, I feel like I could be up there, but you never know. Let's just look at the list one more time. We pull up the list and I see Anton Kropitschka for like the first time on the list, literally the night before I'm like, what <laughs> this dude wasn't signed up. Like when did this happen? So I don't know if Anton signed up like two nights before the night before, but didn't you mention he was going to do it the, the year before? So the year before Haley, his girlfriend did it. She won the women's race and I think yeah. was like third, third overall, right? Third yeah. overall. Yep. Third or fourth overall. And I feel like Anton, for the listeners who don't know who Anton is, one of the absolute goats of ultra running. Sponsored athlete with uh, uh, La Sportiva, I think is kind of his main. Yeah. He's like New Balance for a long time and then Sportiva. Yep. Yeah. He lives in Boulder, so like this is his, this is backyard. Like a ton of these roads he's seen, uh, and it's like getting more and more into bike packing and bike pack racing. No I know doubt. he's done Unbound XL twice now, and I think Which, he's gonna do the Divide next year. So, 
it's once again, one of these guys that just like has world class fitness. There's just and not it doesn't... too long before it, he did a tour across all of like Nebraska, I think. Yep. So it might have been like a month or two prior, just building some really great base going into it. And I say building great base going into it, but we're talking about like 15 years of like insane base going into it. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, but it was cool. I was like, oh, sick. Here's like a name I recognize. This is going to make it a little bit more exciting. Uh, like honestly, back in high school when I was a runner, I looked up to the dude. I was like, this guy is so fucking cool. I want to be like him one day. So that's 2010, 2011. And then you fast forward literally a decade later and we're about to do a bike race together. So it's just like a really cool moment of, I like, I guess over the years I've kept pursuing what I thought has been exciting and cool to me. And then lives kind of like cross paths to where we're literally at this quote unquote start line in Fort Collins, Colorado. So Mark does his very casual, I guess we should start riding bikes now or something. And we're on the bike path leaving uh, Fort Collins. We head north before we ultimately end up dipping south. So on the bike path pretty quickly, it's like Anton and I at the front. And it's not because we're drilling it. It's just like we're both like, hey, the thing has started. Let's start going. So we're up at the front. And I turned to him. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And he turned and looked at me and said, hey, is it Andrew, right? I'm like, yeah, it's Andrew. Nice to meet you. Because I had never met him before. We messaged a little bit over you know instagram or whatever and uh yeah so we were chatting a little bit and got a chat with some different riders that were starting like leonardo i met leonardo for the first time we hit pavement and i started pulling away from everybody on the pavement heading north out of fort collins i got a little excited not gonna lie i was just like got down to the aero bars it's a beautiful morning it wasn't already 90 degrees like it is in Arkansas. <laughs> wasn't crazy humid. So, yeah, I just honestly, I thought everybody was right on me. But I turned around at some point and I can't see anybody. So, like, within the first 20 miles of pavement, I had dropped everybody. Well, I guess I'm just going to kind of roll with this for a while. And um, we hit gravel. I'm going to pull up Rido GPS as we're talking about this. We hit gravel and you start hitting a little bit more of the climbs and at some point one of the guys catches up to me i wish i remember his name he was riding pretty strong he had like a loud fork some zip wheels like you know like by his setup you could tell he was ready to he was ready to try like by the end of it whenever i was chatting with mark mark said he was like a, a guy that used to do marathons in the past and had like some really solid times in marathons and he was a colorado Colorado guy as well. So he's used to altitude and he's seen some of the roads. Uh, so we're kind of like dancing back and forth and he pulled away. And at some point it's Anton and I again. So it's Anton and I riding second, third, other guy up the road. And somewhere right before all this, I already got a notification on my Wahoo that said axis battery low. And <laughs> this is you know this is like morning one not even four hours into it i've barely even been riding gravel and i get access battery low i'm like you have to be kidding me because um, all i had done on this battery was what i thought was road to get some food and a beer the night before but what i didn't know is those little red plastic clips that go on the back of them you know about this yep 
that helps conserve the battery. So the whole drive and whatnot, I guess, is bouncing around, is draining battery. And uh, also with the whole hostile thing and it not actually being plugged in, had basically a dead battery. So I'm already like, okay, I'm gonna have to swap out battery number one here pretty soon. <laughs> and I mentioned it to Anton. I don't know what we were talking about at first. Like, yeah, I guess I already have a low back <laughs> access battery. And uh, he looks at me and goes, you didn't charge that shit? <laughs> called out, called like, out. Not, not like not being a dick at all, just kind of like laughing. And I'm like, and then we start talking about it. And he basically explains how the whole Axis system works. <laughs> and I was like, oh, sick. Thanks, man. So like right out the gate, like first we're leaving town and he's like, we're chatting. He's being super nice. And then on route during the race, he's already explaining to me like how you're supposed to take care of batteries. Like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. We're kind of talking about the guy up road. I said, I don't know. He seems to be hitting hills hard and then going slower on flats and downhills. And I think Anton wanted to pull aside to piss or do something with his bike. So didn't see him again. I ended up piss, uh, passing the guy in first. And um, it wasn't until like 100 miles in I had my first resupply. So... I had my pizza and breadsticks like I was talking about. 100 miles in, that would have been the town of uh, Gold, I believe. I'm going to zoom in on that tiny little general store. Uh, felt right at home. Felt like something in Arkansas. It was the Cabin's Gift Shops is what it was. And this wasn't something if I knew it would be open or not. They have it as like mile 107. I go in there. It's one of those things where you can buy 20 things and spend $12. <laughs> and i guess while i was in there that's when anton passed me and i had no idea so anton wasn't too far away uh but that, that was my first resupply and see from... that so that was different than the previous year because our first resupply was in uh, granby at like a hundred and I think it's like 160 miles right okay. around there so that is a big difference yeah i'm not sure if like i don't remember there being any resupply options See, that I was kind of year. intending so on Granby. Been, yep. So maybe a few changes at the start. And then I know what we were talking earlier, the course really changed after, oh, it's like winter green or something like that. Okay. Um, kind of like parallel to like where Denver is on the front range, where we stuck closer to the front range and then jumped down into Colorado Springs, where you guys just kind of stayed farther west and so things were like honestly it gave me false confidence all the way up to like granby just how fast the course felt oh, and i don't know if that was the same flying. course for yep okay okay yep. so i there was like one section where i was like oh this is this is pretty chunky it was like the first time i was like this is notably chunky but i just felt like things were really fast and the weather was nice where that first century of a 600 mile race loaded down. I want to say I was averaging somewhere between 12 and 15 miles an hour Yeah, with uh, like stops and everything. And it wasn't like I was drilling it or anything. There was even a hill I walked pretty damn early on where I remember like there's the guy in first and I was in second. We we're both going up the hill at the same time and it got surprisingly steep and I hopped off and started walking. And he looked back and I could tell he had the most confused look on his face <laughs> that I was walking. I was like, no, trust me. Like, it's okay to be doing this right now. 
<laughs> there might not be walking and bike racing. There is walking and bike pack racing. Like, and like, honestly, the biggest ticket to me for accepting that was doing the Washtenaw Triple Crown back in April, single speed. I did so much walking and I just realized that sometimes it just makes sense to get off your bike and walk. And even yeah. if you have a bunch of gears, sometimes you just don't need to be getting your heart rate that high or be putting out that much power, especially in that long of a race that early on. So yeah, that's, he, uh, Anton passed me there. And then, um, uh, I think third place was a bit further back. Granby was the first like proper resupply. And that's, uh, that's when you're, I don't know what time of day that is. I want to say you're early evening, yep. uh, late, late afternoon, early evening. I think it was almost spot on what Mark said the year before where the leaders were coming in at X time. Like I found myself coming in like 15, 30 minutes earlier than whatever time he said that the leaders were coming in the year before. So that was pretty cool. There I stopped at come and go. I got just like, you know, some random drinks with electrolytes, maybe some caffeine, some snacks. And I was hoping I was going to run into Anton there. I figured he was going to take the healthier route and go to the city market <laughs> and uh, get some real food. I'm not sure. But then right after that, we hit some single track. Did you do single track right after Granby? Nope. So after Granby, that was sun was going down. And I know why they changed it because you're like on a pretty busy road. Um, okay. I like thankfully got through most of it. Well, it was still light out, but I can imagine that in the dark, you know, so did you just like stay on the highway right there? Basically. Yep. Getting over to uh... like straight down to uh, what is it? Winter park and the start of the, uh, what's the big pass. Um, Rollins. Rollins. Oh yeah. man, Rollins. We'll get okay. there. We'll get there. Okay, single track. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was cool. Like I think some of these changes were later on. I don't think Mark initially had that in there. But you do this cool single track, um, basically connecting from Granby over to Winter Park, and you're going through this like low-key ski resort area or something. And I think that's when the gap started opening up more. Cause there was uh a guy and his daughter it was like first time I saw people on route that knew what was happening and they're like cheering. I was like, Whoa, there's like people that are cheering me on as I'm approaching them. They must know what's going on. And, um, yeah, really nice guy and his daughter. He's like, yeah, you're doing awesome. You're like 10 minutes behind Anton. I'm like, Oh, sick. 10 minutes. That's, that's pretty close. Like, I guess I'm doing all right. And, uh, the single track, I guarantee you, he opened up quite a bit more. Uh, he had the 2.2s on, had his crust, crust bike steel. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he rides a lot more single track than I do. I, I probably average. I mean, all my single track was the Washtenaw Triple Crown. I can't tell you if I've done any single track <laughs> since April. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> and uh, also, I have not been riding my bike a whole lot. Cause that's, well, that's another story. So yeah, it's some cool single track. And then you get into this just like really rad, like almost uh, rails to trail type of stuff where it's, it's gravel, but it's packed down a bunch and it's pedestrian style. So you're doing a bunch of that all the way over to like Frasier and then Frasier. I think I stopped at a gas station once just to down like a couple Gatorades real quick or something. 
Frazier over to Winter Park. I think maybe it's Winter Park where I actually got a little bit more, but I didn't up on any more food or anything. And then I started climbing Rollins Pass, which Rollins Pass was like the notorious, the notorious part of the route where I knew nothing about it, but that's the one part everybody's talking about as far as it being chunky, you're getting up high, gets a little gnarly. There's a, a tunnel that's collapsed or something and you're not allowed to go through it anymore. So you have to hike over it. Um, there's still snow up there. So going into it, I was like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of unknown variables here. And so I start climbing Rollins Pass just a little bit before sunset. And I see Mark and his wife really low down on it. And uh, she's taking a video clip, Mark's clapping. I'm like, oh, sick, that's really cool. That's just like a side tangent. I, I think it is cool whenever a route director appears on a route a few times. Like, I know there's all kinds of controversy about with media and this and that, or maybe there's not controversy and some people just love hyping up the concept of controversy. Um, <laughs> but I saw him there and I just thought it was cool. I was like, hey, you organized all of this, you created this route and I'm, I'm, I get to interact with you again briefly in a more intimate moment. It's not the start line where there's 50 other people. It's just me and you and your wife right now. And a real quick, like, how are you doing? I'm like, I didn't hop off my bike. I just kept riding, but I'm going uphill. So I'm going pretty damn slow. So they have time to talk to me as I'm approaching them. And uh, I'm still rolling up. And he's like, oh, yeah, we saw Anton not too long ago. But at that point, I think it was more like 30 minutes ago versus 10 minutes ago. And um, so that was really cool to see them. I got a little bit higher up. And immediately it's like, okay, I need to throw on some layers right now because the sun's about to set and it's about to get cold. Um, which is cool. Cause like I've been in Arkansas in the summer and I never need to throw on layers period right now. It's if you throw on a layer, it's maybe cause it's going to rain for a little bit and you throw on a rain jacket just to take it right back off within 15 minutes or it's so hot. You just get rained on anyway. So I put on leg warmers, arm warmers and a down jacket over like I had my Merino Merino wool t-shirt. So and gloves. So I put quite a bit on, uh, climbing up pretty slow. And honestly, I started feeling kind of bad at this point. I think the elevation was getting to me. I ended up locking a bunch of it. I, um, I don't know. I went a little hard to start. And at this point I could just notice my heart rate was pretty high. Didn't have a heart rate monitor on, didn't have a power meter or anything, but I was just walking and, uh, it's quite a, quite a bit of walking up until I got to the top. There's even one point, oh my God, I forget about this. So there's these people camping. It's weekend, so there's a lot of people out. This is 4th of July weekend. So there's a lot of people getting ready for just a good weekend. I get a little bit higher up and uh, these people see me walking a bike up Rollins Pass <laughs> and they're all shooting the shit around a campfire or whatever. And this girl's like, hey, are you okay? Like, yeah, I'm just like doing this big ride right now. They're like, where are you going? It's briefly, I'm like, well, Trinidad. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, what the fuck? And uh, she goes, well, we got beer and uh, fried chicken. <laughs> and oh, it's, I wanted it so badly, but I was like, my stomach was not behaving well. Uh, I was not feeling good. Andrew, you were also racing. Okay. This is a bike I'm, race. Okay, so now okay, you can't I'm stop racing. and you're right. 
drink You're right. beer and eat fried chicken <laughs> from strangers on the side of the road. <laughs> so like as tempting as it was, it's like, Hey, I really appreciate it. But like, I don't even think my stomach can accept any of that right now. Kept going. Eventually get to a point where I'm actually hiking through snow. I'm like this is a little ridiculous right now. I'm hiking through snow on uh, July 1st, or I guess it might've been July 2nd at that point. Cause it might've been past midnight. And, um, but it's exciting to me. And honestly, none of it was like scary. I guess after talking to some riders afterwards, they were pretty like, oh my gosh, what if I slid? How far do I go? I'm on a mountain right now. Can I die? Like none of those thoughts really went through my mind when I was on the snow. It was just like, oh, like kind of annoying. I got to try harder with my footing right now, but otherwise things are fine. So where the snow was, was this like you get to the tunnel where it's blocked and you kind of go to the left, like around the tunnel is no, there's a fair there's... share before that. Honestly, okay, there's like okay. there's like two or three sections before that where you had to cross snow. Okay. And then he actually had the reroute go like up and right higher up around the tunnel and then back okay, down. Okay, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah, so you're like in this almost like tundra filling area where there's kind of some grassy mossy stuff. And it was getting really windy. So you're just getting blasted by wind and you're in this weird no man's land. And then you do this kind of like hike a bike down where you're just grabbing your brakes. So your whole bike doesn't just go shooting out in front of you. And um, the des- you did Rollins Pass, right? Yep. How was the descent for you? You did it during the night too, right? Yep. I did it during the night and that's where I broke my first spoke. Okay. Um, that, that makes a ton of sense. <laughs> yeah. Really? Like I, like, I remember the climb up being great. Like I was yeah. in the lead at this point and I yeah. was just like super motivated riding into the night. My whole thing was like, uh, we finished in Alamosa that year and I saw Mark probably similar spot to where you saw him on Rollins. Okay. And I was like, He's like, how long are you going? And I was like, no sleep until Alamosa. I was full on <laughs> planning on like not sleeping at all. Yeah. And so I was like super motivated, got to the other side and kind of got my shit rocked on the descent. And then yeah. you might get into it, but there's that like super short, steep climb, not short, but there's like a, a bullshit s- climb after a that bullshit really sucks. Climb after that was <laughs> yes. just like a punch to the face. And that's yes. the one that I remember I, I rode all of Rollins and everyone was making such a big deal out of Rollins. Uh-huh got to this next climb, which literally was nothing on my bike computer. And I ended up pushing my bike for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Like it just fucking took forever. Like that was what just, that sounds pretty similar. So me in the face. Yeah. So like I get past the tunnel and stuff on Rollins, get past the snow. I'm starting the descent. You have those like wooden bridges, which I've seen the wooden bridges and photos already. So, um, like I, I realize it's exposed there, but I'm like, I'm not going to just all of a sudden accidentally turn left for seven feet and go off the edge. Like I know how to ride my bike. So like like, I'm fine. Yeah. So I like rode all the wooden bridges and everything. And I rode a fair share of the descent, but there's these points where it's just like all the snow slash snow melt, where it's just like these rivers going down the mountain, plus this chunky like ass rock to where I was like, I don't need to get soaking wet right now. That's a stupid thing. So I could have kept riding, but there's times where I was just walking because otherwise I would just would have been splashing my, my leggings and my down jacket, yep. which inevitably would have led to things getting worse over time. 
Yeah. So blocked decent sections of Rollins. And then even when it wasn't that, it was so chunky where I, I just wasn't descending that fast. Like, I don't know if you're just opening it up and letting it rip, but there's a lot of it where I was just felt like I was nitpicking my way down the line. And then I would see these scattered different vehicles and people camped. And I'd be like, how the hell did you get your vehicle up here? And why? And like, how long did it take you? <laughs> like, I hope you're posted up here for the whole July 4th weekend. <laughs> no, man, just for the night. Overlanding. Overlanding. <laughs> get that rooftop tent yeah. up going. Oh, yeah. Get your photo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get all the way down to that. By the time, oh, somewhere descending Rollins, my Wahoo froze. So it's like, here it is. Wahoo mistake number one. Wait, your um, Wahoo froze in the middle of the night after 150 miles? I don't believe it. Surprise. surprise. What a shocker. What a shocker. <laughs> so I got terrified for a second because there every once in a while is like a tangent road. And I was like, oh, my God, if I did not take one of these tangent roads that I was supposed to, I'm going to lose my shit and I am not going to want to race anymore. <laughs> like, um, Have you had experiences so- in the past of – I have, of course. Is this a a previous trauma we want to touch on real quick? Yeah, East Texas showdown, except I was in first that time. And it was a lot more of a tame scenario where at least you're in like the lowlands of Texas and it's like 70 or 80 degrees versus I'm like in my down jacket and there's snow and I'm like (laughs) on a mountain. (laughs) Kind of in the middle of nowhere too. It's like that area you're just like, it's I mean. We say that, but within the two hours prior, I had a girl offering me fried chicken and beer. So, like, I didn't feel too out there. Fair, um, fair. But, yeah, I, like, get it all restarted and everything. And I see that I stayed on course. I'm like, thank God. I'm going to keep descending. I get to the bottom of it. And, honestly, at the, the bottom of Rollins, I was ready to take a nap. I was very, like, upset wouldn't be the right word. But I was just like, that was a lot of effort, both physically and mentally. A lot of it was the mental part of it. Whereas like, I just need to take a nap right now and have a bit of a reset. And I wasn't really intending to sleep that early, but that's, I just felt that way. And talking to Jacob after the race, he had a very similar experience where he had to take a nap on Rollins. Cause he was just like, I need to stop right now and then wait till daylight and then continue. And so there's this weird abandoned town at the bottom of it, which I want to see if I can pull up. I don't even know. Uh, it was just like all these abandoned buildings. And I tried yanking on different doors and stuff and nothing would open. Um, it's before the next climb, which someone was saying is like Mammoth Gulch. I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's uh, South Boulder Creek is that kind of like crossing. And then you hit okay. that next climb. Okay. And so... I'm yanking on some doors there. I'm even debating on just sleeping in the grass near one of them, but it looks like maybe one or two spots people actually live. So it's like this weird moment of like, I'm still pretty awake, but I'm just over it. Uh, I just decided, okay, let's just get over the next climb. And then you're to central city. Like then you're actually in a, an established area. So I'm like, okay, let's just knock out this one more climb. And the climb was awful as you were talking about ton of walking again and there's times where honestly it's stuff i could have ridden but i just hated the idea of sitting on my saddle and spinning in my granny gear i was like shoot me now i don't want to do 110 cadence 
<laughs> like I just want to walk my bike right now. And you're just at high elevation still. You're still hovering at like 10,000, 11,000 feet, which was making me work harder than what I wanted. Um, so I get to the top of that. I was even thinking about taking naps along the way going up it because I was so over it. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, now we just descend. And same case where going up doesn't seem that bad. And then the descent just gets exponentially worse. Chunky as hell. Like even Jacob that was on his 2.35 tires on a mountain bike was like that descent was messed up. And so that was a lot of getting my bones rattled, stopping every once in a while to shake my hands out and stuff. And um, yeah. Just to jump in, I one of bike. the like crazy things about this course, and we kind of touched on it before, is those first 175 miles, you are moving. Like you are so just cruiser. absolutely flying. And then you hit Rollins and it's just a punch in the face and then another punch in the face. And really like for me, I felt like that whole, that first night, second day was so rough because we'll get into it later. Like it doesn't really stop. Like after that, there is no like chill riding. It's like the yeah. descents are super chunky. The climbs are super high. You're at altitude. It's just like, you have to fight for every single mile where like those first, you know, first day, first, whatever, 18 hours is just cruiser. And then you just like, it builds hard a little stop, bit of a hard false, stop. like a false confidence for sure. And, uh, so I was going a little harder than I should have. I should have conserved a little bit more, but I get past that, get through the descent, finally make it to central city. By the time I get to central city, honestly, I was really glad that I had scouted that out already where I saw that little, uh, downtown area. And I had already seen, I knew that I just didn't feel like doing the final climb before descending to Idaho Springs. Ultimately, that's kind of what I wanted was to make it to Idaho Springs because there was a 24-7 gas station there. Yep. Uh, but Central City, I was already dead set. I was like, I have to take a nap in Central City. And this is where I have no knowledge of where Anton is because I've been out of cell service this whole time. Haven't even bothered to like pull up track leaders to try anyway. You know, it's just like all I cared about was like getting to the place to take a nap. So I get to Central City, and I want to say this is maybe four in the morning that I'm rolling in, and um, I end up setting up by this random like government building. I honestly can't tell you what it is, but I found a good spot where there's a bush and a wall, and I'm like, I can put my little bivy right here, my bike, and I'm out of sight of all these like different residential spots right around me for the most part, and so get the bivy out. I strip down naked, get my running shorts on, put on, um, maybe I kept the same shirt on. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I lay down in there and I set my alarm for an hour and 40 minutes, I think. And, um, or that's like the overall time I allocated. I was like, get up by six. I think it was like right by four is when I was laying down and, uh, yeah, it's five forty. That's what it was. It was like, 540 was my alarm and went off. You got an alarm going off right now. And uh <laughs> continuous blood glucose monitor. What yep. a shocker. <laughs> so my alarm goes off at 540. And honestly, I hit snooze for 20 minutes. <laughs> I was like, I need to sleep a little bit more. So I set another alarm for 20 minutes later. That one went off. I was like, okay, that was two hours of sleep, Andrew. That's 
20 minutes more than what you allocated for yourself. No excuses now. Like start making moves, some kind of slow motion. The sprinklers start going off. So I'm like kind of trying to push my shit out of the way is like this, the end of the sprinkler line is kind of hitting where I'm at. Not going super fast. It's cold. It's like I need to put all my down stuff on right away. I even have my down pants on. Like I want to say it's like in the upper 30s where it's at there. You're still around 10,000 feet or so. But then, yeah, I'm swapping out. So I'm getting naked there and the lights out. And I'm like, oh, man, this is like this is a little bit worse looking right now. Like <laughs> You're getting naked downtown Central City. But anyway, like right before I went to sleep, I saw Anton had stopped in Central City as well. And like, that's what made me feel good. I was like, cool. I caught up to him. We both stopped in Central City. So like, cool. This is first and second. He stopped at like a cemetery somewhere. And uh, when I woke up, got everything together, I saw he was already leaving Idaho Springs and climbing. It's like, God damn it. Like he made some good time. Like, oh yeah. Yep. He woke up earlier than me and he's already climbing out of Idaho Springs. So I moseyed my way over, descended Idaho Springs, which that, oh my God road, that's what it is. Do you remember, oh my God road? I do remember that. And I remember yeah. the climb out of Central City just being another like sl- It's like I, a pretty decent climb out yeah. of Central City, especially if like, it's like how you're starting your, yep. your morning. <laughs> yep. And then the, oh. oh my God road, just crazy switchbacks, like straight down to the highway. And then towards wild. the end, it's just like a straight shot of just washboards where you're just... And you're going 40, 45 miles an hour and you can't even see straight because you're bouncing so hard. Yep. And you're like, is everything about to explode right now? And you get down there and uh I get over to the come and go or whatever it is. I kind of take a hot minute there. I have my breakfast burrito, a few different things. Um roll over to Idaho Springs, climb out. And then from here, it's just like I don't know. I kind of start settling into rhythm. It's a, a Saturday morning. I see a fair share of cyclists out. They're all road cyclists, but they're doing these different classic climbs in the area because you're near, near Fort uh, Mount Evans. And so I see some different groups. You're getting some waves and nods and stuff, which is cool. And um, kind of keep winding your way through. And for a while, I'm feeling pretty decent. I'm like, okay, I can, I can gain on Anton over time. And third place is not even a question right now. Like no one's no one's hot on my heels to where I'm worried about that. It's more like, can I gain ground to get up to first? And yeah, going through evergreen and everything. And then we hit this single track. Where do we hit this single track at? There's another pretty burly section of single track that was, it was like a continuous 15 or so miles of single track that, um, was okay, pretty see, this was this was definitely new for me because we okay. went to oh what is it called i think it's called ridge road and okay. it runs like parallel to the front range and we're just on that for forever so no okay. single track i think it definitely right around evergreen that's kind of yeah. where it, so like, sometime deviated. after evergreen is when you hit it so this is ridiculous pitch where you're definitely hike a bike up the single track to get up and then it generally kind of trends downhill but uh like I'm on 50 C tire drop bar bike. So it's not like the ideal setup for a long 15 mile section. And the, like, it was super hot at this point, a single track. And, uh, but it was cool. It was gorgeous. I had a great time on it. Like it was super rad. You get down by like the South Platte river and then you get into, uh, after Deckers, 
you get into the Pike San Isabel National Forest. Did you guys go through that at all? Uh, no, at this point, we had cut over towards Colorado Springs. Okay. So this is where, maybe that's more where the single track was. But anyway, this is where I started falling apart. You get into this big, wide open area that's called the burn from Chad that I uh, got to meet and hang out in Denver. And he spent a bunch of time there. But it's like, I guess a lot of forest fires had happened there. And it's to the west of Pikes Peak. And there's just this really wide exposed area with a bunch of climbs and descents and i hit it midday and i was just getting absolutely roasted this is where i was just crumbling mentally like i was fully convinced that i was about to enter tour mode and next real place i got to i was going to get a hotel and sleep for 10 hours and i was just going to tour the rest of it like i shit you not i was 100 percent convinced on that and I had like vehicles passing me. People give me weird looks because I'm walking every single little hill. There's all these dispersed campgrounds. It's a beautiful area, but it's just like there's all these different campgrounds and everybody's on their 4th of July weekend just chilling. Like no one's doing activities. Everybody's chilling because it's hot. And, uh, you know, it's like either you're in the water drinking beer or you're drinking beer at your campsite. And uh, yeah, it's just like, they had have these vantage points where they could see me coming for a long time. They'd just see me pushing my bike for a mile and I'm just looking stupid. It's like four or 5% gradients at times. And I'm just like, I can't even do this right now. I'm so over it. And, um, so at this point, are you paying attention to what Anton is doing ahead of you? I mean, you I'm out like- of service again, or okay. I wasn't even bothering to look, um, I'm on and off with like listening to music. And it's not like I was hating my experience or anything, but it's more so in my mind as like shifting my mindset of what I was actually trying to accomplish. So like one, one thing I left out earlier is when Anton, Anton and I were riding side by side, like say mile 60 or 80 or something, we're chatting. I'm like, so what do you think about all this like sleep deprivation stuff? Like this is your first race of more like this style. It's not unbound where it's definitely one push and it's just like a single, single day race. Like, what do you think about sleep deprivation? And he said, it's like, well, I didn't bring a sleeping bag. So I was like, okay, okay. Uh, he's like, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to sleep. I'm like, cool. Like, I respect that. That makes sense. I'm like same way where I didn't bring a sleeping bag, but like, I might sleep some. And, uh, it, like, he was just very open. I was even like, do you have a certain game plan? not like I was acting, asking his exact plans, but I was just like genuinely curious. I'm like, Hey, this is a big ass ride. This is a little bit different than the style of stuff you normally do. Um, are you like, you got anything set in stone and he just was, no, it's all very organic. I'm just going with the flow. If I'm feeling great, I'm gonna keep riding. If I feel like I want to stop, I'm going to stop. Cause, uh, he was asking about some of the other riders. So he was curious enough of like, Hey, what's that guy that's ahead of us? What's, what's he up to? And like, even with Jacob, he's like, Hey, Jacob's in the race. What's he up to? And I told him like, Jacob's game plan is to sleep two hours a night. Like that's his plan. And I remember Anton going, Whoa, like that's, that's pretty intense. And so, uh, yeah, fast forward back to the burn. I'm pretty damn convinced I'm going to sleep for 10 hours whenever I can get to a place and, uh, tour the rest of it and maybe get fifth or sixth. And, um, it's never like through that area. I felt exponentially better or anything. I just like finally got through it and I got down to 
Lake George, as I think is what it is. Yeah, Lake George is when you're kind of finally through all that. Got a resupply there. Starts raining and stuff, which I think Anton got some worse conditions than me through that area. Like it's raining on me, but I think he got properly stormed on. Cruising through there. Nothing like specifically of note, but then you're starting to go through the second night. So there's this big climb up to Cripple Creek. Was Cripple Creek part of your your ride? Yep. So we did go through Cripple Creek. That was like into Colorado Springs and then Cripple Creek. Okay. And then I think we rejoined for a while down into, um, what is it, Canyon City? Okay. Yep. So Cripple Creek, it's like this massive paved climb up to this weird like almost like casino ski resort city, which I don't think there's a ski resort, but there's definitely like some kind of weird nightlife up there in a casino. And, uh, wait, are you telling me you didn't go to the gas station <laughs> slash casino? No, I didn't. Oh, you missed out. There's a gas Dang. station slash casino there that I had a just incredible experience. It was like the first time I'd eaten real food, like nice. in the race. And I just like sat on the sidewalk and ate, <laughs> untold number of calories it was great. what time was of day great. was that oh that was the start of that would have been i'd slept a little bit the night before in just outside of colorado springs so this would have been day three early in the early in the day okay so i think like anton was hitting it earlier and he was getting stormed on like all the way up this. So he's like getting up to closer to 9,500, 10,000 feet going through a proper storm. And I was getting hit by the storm while I was still lower down, hadn't climbed yet. So more like 8,000. So I think he had a worse experience going up it. And I get up there, it's dark. Um, I actually had my Wahoo die again going up that. So I lost some, uh, some miles in elevation gain on my files, which was a bummer <laughs> and, uh, reset it as I was climbing. Cause you get to a point where you're like, whatever, my Strava is not going to look as cool. Like I know this is the only road, so I'm just going to like keep going and like figure this computer shit out as I go. Like that's something I've been able to let go of versus in the past, like in the high country, I was like devastated. I was like, no, I must get every mile or the people won't believe me or whatever. And then like you start realizing like most people don't give a shit about what you're doing anyway. <laughs> Trust me. The only one who is stalking your Strava is me. It's just me out there like, oh, let's go look at his, does he have power data? How about yeah, look at that data? Gap. What's going on Look at on that there? gap right there. Did he even do that? Um, yeah. And then this insanely incredible descent out of cripple creek shelf road it's like i think it's marked as a scenic road but it's i honestly thought i was going to just be descending pavement from cripple creek all the way till uh cannon city and uh it was this very long gravel descent which i missed all of the like scenery but i could tell it was absolutely phenomenal decent amount of washboard sections where like I still had to take breaks going down, which I think surprised people like Jacob because he had his mountain bike and was just rolling through it. Um, but yeah, I had a blast. Like I would love to see that during the daytime. And um, during the daytime, if you hit it right, it's an absolute inferno. When I descended down from Cri Cripple Creek, mm -hmm. it was like 60 
at the top and then you like descend down to the river and it got up to like 90 95 Damn. Um, what is the name of did you go through i uh, carry on telling your story maybe you'll touch on it but before you get to canyon city do you go through like uh this like nature preserve yeah like, we go through so you do this like cutty stuff through uh like red rock yep, red exactly. canyon park red canyon park and it takes longer than you would expect and there's parts of it that get kind of chunky and steep um i could tell that probably would have been really beautiful during the day is that what you're talking about i remember entering that place and thought i had entered an outer ring of hell like it was (laughs) 95 degrees my blood sugar was high i was running out of water i had no fun there there was no enjoying the scenery it was well i didn't enjoy the scenery either because it was like 2 a.m or something like that okay fair Uh, enough fair enough and then this is where so i didn't know this but i guess anton had slept somewhere between that shelf road descent and red rock red canyon excuse me somewhere right in there is where he decided to pull over and sleep and that was pretty early on like i think it was before midnight that he stopped and i'm hitting this more at like 2 or 3 a.m and uh then you get to this insane skyline drive above canyon city did you do that that is a roller coaster of a road that road is bizarre, but so cool. Like the fact that they put a road up there, sick. And that's so one cool. that like, unless you know what we're talking about, it's just like, you got to look it up or you got to go experience it for yourself. But yeah, it's just called Skyline Drive. And is it Canon City or Canyon? Like, how do you say it? Oh, it's probably Canon. Canon, Canon yep. City. So whenever I was rolling through that, there's no vehicles on it. It's three or 4 AM. So it's the whole cityscape of the lights is going off and it was just absolutely gorgeous. And it was so damn cool. So went through that, descended down and that was a resupply. I was really looking forward to for a long time. That was a 24 hour gas station. There's actually some drunk people walking around like hooting and hollering at me on a bike. And uh, when I'm over at the gas station, I had some drunk people come over to me as I'm just like a weird looking person with excessively far too much food there. Um, At this point, I'm getting things like salami and cheese and like all kinds of stuff. Like I did not hold back on the cheese (laughs) on this ride. I'm not going to lie. And this is when I pulled up track leaders and I saw I passed Anton and he was sleeping. I'm like, oh, sick. Like. I'm in first now and I'm still awake and I'm, I'm going to keep moving. So that was a really exciting moment where basically it's like, even if he woke up right now and hopped on the bike, he has to pedal as hard as me and walk as hard as me the rest of the ride. Yeah. And that's at mile 390. So about 200 miles left. So at this point, like where is your mindset? Because I know earlier you were talking about, turning on touring mode, getting a hotel. I'm guessing the are there's there has to be some hotel options in Cripple Creek. So that was kind of like your first opportunity to switch off yeah. racing mode. Yeah. Was there a mindset switch or were you just like I'm just going to keep on pedaling? I don't think there was I think part of it was just like overall on the elevation profile it looked like a lot of descending to get to Cannon City. Okay. And I was like okay, let me at least get there because 
it's mostly trending downhill and I know there's options there as far as food and lodging. So like get off of the higher elevation, get down. And also just like in general, higher elevation, everything's more expensive. <laughs> like, food's more expensive. Lodging's more expensive, like everything. Yeah. So I'm like, make a little bit more distance. Um, during that distance, you're going to have to think it through a little bit more, which that descent was obviously not as cruiser as I thought, because it wasn't all pavement. Um, and there's like the Red Canyon Park was a lot more work than I thought. But that gas station, I didn't look at track leaders until after I got all my stuff, which I kind of talked my time, took my time, got all my stuff, sat down, pulled it up. And then when I saw I was ahead, then basically it was that decision of like, what's the move? Yeah. You've slept, you've slept two hours so far and you started Friday morning at 6 a.m. It is now Sunday morning, like three or 4 a.m. What are you going to do? And, uh, that's when I was like, Andrew, like, <laughs> think about this for a second. You're in first place. You're beating this guy. That's like really fucking cool that, uh, you've looked up to and, uh, like, what's your excuse? Like, it doesn't feel great. Like, <laughs> of course it doesn't feel great. Like you knew at one point it was not going to feel great. And it took this long to get to that point. You can't just decide, oh, you know what? I just like having fun. And that's all I ever do is have fun. And I never push my myself, you know, there's a thing there's like, there's a balance where some people try to glorify suffering and that's not, it's not about suffering. But I think there's something to be said about people that as soon as they face adversity, they decide to like push through it a little bit versus immediately just giving into it and being like, no, I'm only having fun. Like if all you ever do is like when you're faced with adversity, you just like keep setting back your expectations. Then I think that carries through in a lot of aspects of your life and especially when it comes to racing. So that was like a tipping point for me where it's like, no, this is, this is a bigger thing that's happened in your life. You need to like, even if it's only to you, like you 10 years ago would have like super appreciated this moment if you kept riding your bike. So yeah, it's like a big ass climb out of there. And I charged through all that really hard, did great, was feeling really good. And then you gain the ridge line, and I hit this absolute shit show of a section of mud, which I, I'm really curious if Anton had to deal with it or not, or if it dried up some. But like it reminded me of Iowa Wind and Rock, where I had my bike over my shoulders, walking for miles. And every time I tried to ride, everything got so gunked up where my wheels couldn't spin. I was doing damage to my frame, chain kept coming off. I was so frustrated. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I got this like good lead and I know he's just gaining on me so fast right now. And, um, finally got through all that. I know we've been talking for a while, so trying to like speed up this bit, but no, no, take your time. The people that get... want to listen will, they'll be listening. <laughs> that's they'll so be true. Listening. The that's people so who don't true. care, they were gone an hour that's, ago. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's, that's what this is about. Uh, so I get over to like, you get to the silver cliff, West cliff, get like another classic like frozen burrito that you microwave in the oven or whatever and um through there do you go over to Whistcliff your last year when you did it 
Yep, so that was my last resupply before going up and over the last pass down into the Great Sand Dunes, which honestly okay. I'm kind of disappointed that is no longer part of the course because it is – talk about fucking brutal. That's a gorgeous area for one. Like, so we're staring at those mountain, that mountain range that you're talking about that you go over. Yep. Like we keep staring over it to the right. And I'm like, man, that's gorgeous. You're kind of like in this valley in between two mountain ranges. And you keep looking over at that one is like the majestic one. And then we kind of go in the center and then we trend the other direction and go through some other mountains. Yeah. But that's, that's pretty wild for that to be your last resupply. What was the overall distance on yours again? Um, I think it was 530. Okay. Uh, yeah, 530, 540. Okay. Okay. So honestly, that next section was like one of the hardest bits for me where you're going through this valley and it just ends up being really like oddly chunky double track where it's pretty flat. It's like this false flat for a long time where you're dealing with like – 1.5 to 2.5%. And it's windy, chunky, bouncing up and down. And I'm getting really tired. I'm like, okay, you you basically have been riding for another 24 hours straight or so. You've only slept two. You slept four the night before the race because you're paranoid and you don't know how to deal with yourself. <laughs> and I got to a point where I was like, I have to take a nap. There's, there's no, there's no way around this. I have to take a nap. I'm nodding off. I'm getting slow as can be. And so I'm looking for places to nap. Finally, I'm like, you know what? This, this ditch looks decent. <laughs> like this ditch in particular, this one's good. I don't think cars are going to drive by here. I can get a solid nap and lay my bike down, still have my hydration vest on, have my helmet on. I set my alarm for 20 minutes. So I've put in two hours of sleep so far. I'm like, Andrew, 20 minutes, see what happens. Set the alarm for 20. And this is a pretty crazy thing where I've never experienced this before. Set my alarm for 20. First two or three minutes, I can't fall asleep. I'm pissed at myself. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? You've been this tired. You're laying down, you're accepting it and you can't sleep. But anyway, I have nine minutes left on my alarm and I wake up. I like shoot up. And I had a dream within, so I guess I didn't sleep two hours and 11 minutes is a little bit less than that, but I shoot up and I'm like, all right, you're awake. And my dream was this, just like this really odd dream where it was like a, it was almost like a picnic table and I was laying underneath the picnic table and someone was sitting on the picnic table, waving their legs or something. And they poke their head down to look at me and they just go, what are you doing? And I can't tell you who the person was or anything, but like, that was what it was is someone sitting on a picnic table, kind of waving their legs, just like very carefree and me being underneath it. And they look down and be like, what are you doing? And, uh, see, I'm just glad that you don't remember the person and it wasn't like, uh, what's the name of the clown in it? Pennywise, <laughs> yeah. right. You know, just like, yeah. what are you doing, Andrew? Yeah. <laughs> Or like some like random ass ex-girlfriend where I'm like, this is a sign that I need to hit her up and try to get back together or something like that. I know? mean, that's another option too. Pennywise or an ex-girlfriend, <laughs> one of the two. They're pretty similar, right? <laughs> so I shoot up. I'm like, all right, let's go. And uh, honestly, from there, it was just like a very god awful like three to four hours of nothing but headwind and very gradual climbing and just like going like the direction you went, I'm sure was 
challenging. The way we went was just like this exponential, just like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just like, you keep climbing and you keep going at headwind. And I just, that's something I don't experience in Arkansas a whole lot is where you just ride into a headwind for 50 miles straight. And it's very demoralizing when you're tired and kind of sleepy and you're looking down at your bike computer and you're seeing the mile per hour average of just like humiliating numbers. And you can like address each cow as you're passing it. Cause you're going so slow and, um, finally get to where I'm descending and then I'm excited. I'm like, cool. I'm finally descending. And, uh, that's when it's more like the home stretch. So like Walsenberg was like one of the last proper resupplies. Walsenberg was like mile. What does it show here on Rider GPS? This is mile 498. So you got like a century left from there. And that's where I got, um, I actually went into Taco Bell there. I got like, it was super backed up for no reason, like very slow, bunch of people there, but I got like a chicken quesadilla, Crunchwrap Supreme, a taco. And the bathroom was so disgusting, which think about this, you're 500 miles into a bikepacking race and you are barely considered a human at this point. And I remember going to the bathroom and being disgusted at like using the restroom in there, like how bad it was. And um, that's when you know it's bad because <laughs> the farther into a bikepacking race you go, the standards just go down and down so and down. And it's like, wow, look at look at that porta potty. I could totally just take a nap in that porta potty right now. Yeah, whatever. And honestly, that would have been Farista. So it's like right before it, 495. Um, and that's when I'm looking at track leaders again. And I see like Anton's been been gaining on me, where it's like I can't relax at all. I'm like, this is my last moment to kind of relax. But from here, I'm going to have to basically try to push all the way to the finish with very minimal stoppage time. He was just like making good enough time, even with him sleeping for a long ass time. He was just like, he was obviously more fit than me and he was riding better than me. And so like my whole like sleep deprivation thing was again, kind of like what I needed to do. And by the time I got to La Vida, that's when I had to put on all my rain gear. It's like dumping rain. I'm riding straight into this massive storm for the final pass. So I'm just staring at uh, Cordova Pass and you can't even see it. It's just like in the clouds, it's pissing rain. I'm like, okay, well, this is like, this is definitely a grand finale finish right here. I got Anton gaining on me. I'm in the final century. I'm about to do the 11,000 foot pass over 11,000 foot, like the highest pass of the whole thing in a thunderstorm. Like, here we go. So my adrenaline was ramping up by this point. So like, it was exciting. I remember talking to the, the guy at the cash register, I'm like buying a bang <laughs> and some snacks and stuff. And he's like, are you about to ride in this right now? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, where are you riding? I'm like, well, like that, that pass over there, Cordova pass, I got to go over that and down to Trinidad and he's like mind blown. He's like, why are you doing that? And I'm talking about the race a little bit. And I talk about like someone coming up behind me and he'll see some other people. And I just remember him being like, what are you going to get when you finish? Like you get money, you get this, you get that. 
I'm like, nah, dude, you get like literally nothing. And I just remember him going, that's awesome. <laughs> like he was so stoked at the fact that like you get nothing for it. And I was just like out there doing it. Um, and that honestly just got me really excited because it was just like a random moment in normal life and society where a guy at a gas station working a blue collar job like me was able to get hyped up on someone riding their bike, being soaking wet and uh like just doing it because whatever reason we're doing it right yeah so uh yeah like charge up the final climb once we get to like the gravel and stuff and dirt on cordova i walk some of it because i'm just like i had already been walking so much at this point in the route it's like i'm fine with walking now i get to the top and uh, i take a break in the pit toilet for a second and uh, i descend a little bit and take a break and that's like one of the first times I actually started looking at text messages and stuff. I open up my phone. Anytime I open up my phone is really just to check track leaders and turn it back off. I looked at no, I didn't open Instagram once the entire race. I uh, didn't read any text messages up until then. And like, I read some text messages and I was like, someone said that like Anton had dropped and I was just like, holy shit. Like, I was just been like pushing really hard for the last hour or two, like trying to run away from him. And then I realized all of a sudden second place is way far back. And it was just like this is this weird moment where I wasn't even necessarily excited. Like my first reaction was I was like, I was bummed. I was like, why? What happened? Is he okay? And um, I didn't like, I didn't actually text me back, anybody back to figure out. But um, that was like my first response is like, what happened? I really wanted uh, like him to be chasing me all the way to the finish. And it like almost makes me think back to the high country whenever like Ted some said something about like, well, I wish he could have like gone all the way. And uh, like, I didn't really get that until that moment where it's like, well, it's like someone made it exciting for a while. And then all of a sudden they're gone and you're like, well, now I'm just like kind of like cruising into the finish without having to try anymore. And so, uh, it's yeah, also from... that like it's like that loneliness in a way where when you're racing someone it doesn't you don't you know they might be 50 miles behind you or whatever but you you don't feel alone and then they're yeah. gone and now yeah. it's well let's not 50 miles is too much you know they're 10 miles behind you mm-hmm. and then they're gone and now the next person is 50 miles and you start doing that math of Mm-hmm. this person is five hours away from me. yeah like, like we're not even averaging 10 miles an hour at yeah. this point or whatever like, you know you were just like are so alone it's just yeah. like okay i guess i'm out here and like leading up to that i was like listening to some it's funny i was listening to some like metal music i listened back to in like high school because it was like i remember like high school me like the runner and stuff and being like oh no it was like some like very reminiscent type of music and it was just like this really cool moment where just like things felt really like special for a while again kind of like when i was racing ted even though sure it's like anton's not a world class like a world tour rider or whatever but like a lot of people know who he is and his life is getting to play in the mountains uh, like as a sponsored athlete which is really cool and i admire that lifestyle and i've always aspired to like try to be that and so yeah all of a sudden whenever he's not in it anymore like oh man this is kind of a bummer and then uh 
then like the sun sets too and then it's dark so i'm like okay now i'm just riding in the dark to the finish and uh i'm like taking some breaks but overall i'm like still riding I'm like well don't just like slow down a ton now just because he's not in it i'm like try to maintain the same overall pace that you have during the race and that's basically what i did where i'm like carry the same overall pace finish strong like if anyone was questioning, at least let them know that like you weren't destroyed at this point. Like you could still carry through all the way to the finish. It's not like you were on your hands and knees trying to be where you're at. So like finish strong. And then like, as I got closer, it's like, Oh, it'd be really cool to finish before midnight. Like I love the idea of finishing Sunday night um, instead of like Monday morning or whatever. So that was like my final little carrot. And I ended up finishing at like 1144 PM or something like that in Trinidad and um mark and his wife were there and they're cheering me on it's super cool i gotta see them and uh yeah got to chat with mark for a little bit he was so nice he's like we can give you a ride to fort collins right now i was like man i got like some stuff in my truck some stuff in randy's vehicle i'm supposed to meet them down here um i'm so tired that honestly like a car doesn't like a car ride for four hours doesn't sound great even though i could sleep in it the whole time i just like want a bed and a shower and stuff so, um, yeah, that was like, uh, from there is just kind of like that wind down of like, okay, it was still like next mission is like, let's find an available hotel on 4th of July weekend. And there's only one available. And then it's like, okay, now you need to like figure out how to drive this vehicle. Like I couldn't figure out his one up rack in the back It was different than mine. So I couldn't figure out how to even lower it. And then he had another one on the front. And so I put my bike on the front, but I couldn't even see out the front windshield because my bike was there. And I was like driving through Trinidad. I'm like, I'm going to get pulled over. I'm like this drunk hooligan is what I look like at 1 a.m. But I'm just trying to get to hotel and no places were open for food in the entire town. So that is like one thing I wanted food so bad. McDonald's closed at midnight, but I talked to Mark and his wife past midnight. And so like when they left, I'm like, okay, where can I get food? I check into this hotel. He's like, oh, there's this gas station across the street. I was like, motherfucker, dude, I have to eat gas station food again. And I went in there and nothing looked good. So I got like a bag of Fritos and some bean dip. <laughs> and that was like my celebration meal was like, <laughs> and two cans of beefaroni, like mini cans of beefaroni. So I had like- a psychopath. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> oh, I would my just God. ice cream, just a pint of ice cream. And- oh man. Um, and then I like took a shower and then like, this is t- TMI for some people, but if you're this deep, whatever, like the saddle sores were getting pretty bad at this point. So I remember being like kind of scared to take a shower and like the last race I did, I didn't wear uh, bibs. I wore like bib shorts. And I think the bibs I was wearing were just a little too tight where, um, honestly, like if I had to ride another one or two days, I think that could have dramatically changed my overall experience, uh, where I would have had to been riding out of the saddle a ton and stuff, but yeah, like took a shower, shower did not feel that great. Lay down naked in the bed, pretty fucking tired, but then you're still trying to like come down from everything. So I think all said and done finished like 11 44 p.m i probably went to bed at like 3 p.m or 3 a.m sorry and then uh it's fourth of july and uh you know just like eat one breakfast then eat another breakfast and then eat a lunch and then check the dots and then um eventually i got a cheer on jacob at the finish 
uh, sometime that night, 4th of July night. And then uh, we went back to the lake and camped that night and then got to see some more people roll through. And uh, yeah, it was cool. It was like, got to like share the experience with Jacob and Randy uh, who both got to finish and everything. And uh, then we had to work our way back up to Fort Collins so I could get to my truck and everything. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was like the route was incredibly beautiful and the people even if his brief interactions, I had a really great time and I left it where I didn't feel like I absolutely slaughtered myself. Like I went hard, but it was like, it felt appropriate to me where it was justifiable and it was exciting the whole time. And, uh, the, the fact that I got to enjoy my time in Colorado beforehand and a little bit after just like made it perfect for me. So week and a half or so in Colorado, one bike packing race of the year, probably like a plus experience. Very happy. Um, first time I've ever won a bike packing race, which is really cool. Woo! Um, yeah. And Anton like said some nice words about it afterwards where, um, he said something along the lines of like, it got him re excited to explore more of the mountains in his backyard and stuff, which I thought was really cool. And just like the competitive nature that we had felt just right. Whereas like, we both were just seeking a very genuine experience and were respectful of each other's like mindsets and uh, personalities and everything. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was really cool. And then here we are a month later and I've already forgot about it and I'm glad we're talking about it, but it's just like, that's the weird thing about bikepacking is where you tell someone like, Oh yeah, I rode my bike from the North board of Colorado to the South board of Colorado. And I did it faster than anybody else. And like, I went faster than someone that has been a pro athlete for 15 years. You say that to normal people, like a normal person, quote unquote, normal person. And they're like, Oh my God. Like, are you getting offers now to like do this and do that and do whatever? And it's like, no, like I got ghosted by the bike company that I ride for. And like, I, uh, had one company reach out like two weeks later, but they didn't even know about the race. They just like randomly saw me on Instagram. So it's like, that gives a little bit insight about like the state of bikepacking right now, as far as racing, it's results honestly still don't mean a whole lot. It's like, uh, social media is a big part of it. What are you doing in the community? Um, I don't know. It's like, obviously you and I haven't figured it out. We love it to death. And, uh, that's why we're doing a podcast about it so we can talk about it more and try to like contribute more to the community itself. But yeah, I mean, all said and done, like that's something I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. Um, and I even had a time or two like during the race where I was like, this might be my last bikepacking race. Now I don't feel that way anymore, but I remember during it, I was like, this is fulfilling everything I've been looking for. And so like, that was really cool to, like finish it and be like, Oh no, maybe I don't need this anymore. Like this, this checked all the boxes. This was, this was perfect. And so a few weeks goes by and you're like, Oh, I kind of forgot what that was like. Maybe I need to experience that again, <laughs> you know, but like that was, it was a very happy moment for me. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, so thankful I got to go do it. And, uh, yeah, that was all really because of mom, dad and capital one. <laughs> gotta love those sponsors gotta love those sponsors yeah. dude that's awesome like 
so happy to hear that you had such a great experience comprehensive experience before and then going out and racing like so so cool like it gets me stoked on stoked on it all you know the experience and the race like yeah very very cool yeah just like a big like standing ovation to mark where it's just like it truly is a lot of effort and that's not his job at all and um so i'm just like really glad that he got people together to do that and uh he spent the time to be out on route a few times and uh like cheer people on and uh, yeah now it's just getting ready for the high country which i'm i'm so glad you signed up for the high country i'm excited uh like witness other people have that kind of experience like even like you don't have to be first place to have that kind of experience but just showing up and seeking a big adventure and seeing up to like 150 people show up in arkansas uh, to have that experience is really really cool to me because that's that's where i live and that's where i play bikes all the time so yeah like i mean there's a few things about it like i love the people that are just trying to finish but I still am really, really stoked for the people that are trying to like get an FKT, uh, like Ted King's time can't stand forever. And what I've realized is that like, that's not what I need right now in my life. So I really want to see someone else get that. Cause there's like, there's someone that needs that or wants that or whatever, you know? And so like, whoever that may be, I'm going to cheer them on like so hard during the race. If like that's within reach. So like for you, for instance, with all this like experience you've accumulated leading up to this, like if it's three days in and you're still on pace, I'm going to be out of my mind and cheering for you. Or like if Spencer comes back after his attempted ITT and things didn't go the way he wanted. Um, yeah. I just, I just love the fact that this, like this whole experience was just, I was so it was so cool to me to see more of the community. That's like always what it comes back to is like the people that go and do this stuff, like 50 people or so sign up for it. It's, I think everyone's really cool that signs up to do one of these and everybody tries to play themselves off. Like they're no big deal or like what they're doing isn't as good as everybody else, but it's like you take the population as a whole and, uh, you're driven to do something kind of wild that most people just like won't even consider in the first place. Awesome, dude. I'm, I'm ready to go. When is Arkansas yeah. high country? Hell Let's yeah. go. October 8th. There's still, 8th. there's still like 70 spots available. <laughs> oh damn. Okay. That's yeah. surprising. So that's across three, three different options. Okay. But yeah, it's open um, 50 spots for each. So you got the full loop, the South loop, the Washtenaw triple crown. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I love bike packing, man. It's uh, every time I like start doubting it for whatever reason, maybe it's just like life in general starts beating you down or whatever. You talk to someone else that like does it and cares about it, and it's always like super uplifting and like reminds me of why I love it so much. And you're always a great example. And uh, yeah, I feel like whoever listens to this, uh, it's a very similar story where. Sometimes it's just like you need someone to relate to and understand that, um, yeah, there's other people out there like you that really enjoy it. And there's, there's something special about it. For sure, dude. And really, so I didn't touch on this, but I got COVID for the first time last week and was absolutely wrecked and rather quickly like worked through 
my regular like kind of weekly podcasts and then I like started to go back and listen to some of my favorite episodes of uh, bikes or death and a few other bike packing related podcasts and it's like that's that's like such a go-to for me where it's like any time that I'm like starting to feel down on cycling and the grind of it I'm like okay let's queue up yeah Sofian talking about his yes. Bide experience and it's yes. like straight back into it you know the yeah. next day i'm like looking at my training program and like writing up intervals yeah like, okay let's do this like just yeah. that little added motivation so yeah. honestly that's what i hope this podcast is for people out there right they hear you talk about your success at north to south colorado any of the other episodes and just like get that spark to you know go ride really really hard and race or just like go do a cool experience and that's something that i just kind of want to wrap up with is north to south colorado it's still like kind of under the radar i honestly think it might be one of the best bikepacking races in the country just Dude, because so it sick. is it's like long and hard but it's also like extremely accessible you look at the resupplies and it's like almost every hundred miles you get a resupply mm-hmm. and usually it's a resupply where you can also get a motel like there, you know maybe not every single time but there are so many camping options that if you want to go out there and do it in a week do 100 miles a day it's totally doable and i love events like that where it's a fine balance between like yes there's a pointy end where people are riding really really hard and pushing sleep deprivation but then there's also the opportunity to have this really cool experience of riding through the beautiful state of Colorado over the 4th of July. So. Yeah. yeah. One thing I'm going to add with gear real quick, just cause I know like questions come up with gear is I rode it on a drop bar gravel bike with a race geo with 50 C tires. And afterwards, like, as I finished, I told Mark, I would never ride it on that bike again. So okay. <laughs> if you were to go do this route and it stayed mostly the same, I would say, um, of course, this is my personal preference. Some people really love underbiking, but even with trying to go fast, I would say a little bit of a bigger tire would be the move. So if I went back and did it again tomorrow, I'd be rocking bigger tires and, um, uh, I mean, sure, maybe I'd still be drop bar because I love drop bar bikes, but uh, a 50C tire didn't quite cut the ticket for me. So um, there's that last tidbit right there as far as a uh, gear selection. Um, more volume, more better for the north to south Colorado. Yeah, and for the listeners, 50C goes to about 1.96 inches. Like, what do you think, like, any tire size you could like what are you running are you running 2.2s 2.3s like, i think 2.2s would be about that right balance yeah. um yeah it's i could fit a 2.2 in the fork i have i don't think i could fit much bigger than a 50c i could fit like a 2.2 um if it's more like a slick tire in the back so okay. um yeah i would like beyond that it's getting very personal preference but for the comfort factor over the long run under a 2.0 tire i don't recommend it unless you're someone that's put in just a ton of time on that kind of tire and that kind of terrain and if you're not sure if you've been in that kind of terrain or not then uh <laughs> either you need to go find out if you've been in that kind of terrain or you just need to bump up the the tire volume one or the other like 
It's uh, like the Ozarks are not easy riding, and that's what I ride in all the time. 50C tire, I'm fine with that for most stuff, but also you got to take into consideration this is a 600-mile race. So like Doom, for instance, that's like under 400 miles. A 50C tire, that's me on the cutting edge of like what I will accept. Otherwise, I'm going bigger. So, yeah, that's that I'm constantly preaching a little bit bigger of a of a tire. And one day we're going to have a tire partner or sponsor and we're going to be able to try out all the tires and we're going to be able to tell you which tires are the best. But in the meantime, all we can talk about is size. And that's what I'm going to say is 2.0 bare minimum unless you're just some cyclocross freak that's very proud of what you do <laughs> unless you love underbiking and really yeah. like this goes... Which, and have at it if you do like please do please do if you love underbiking or you're a much better bike handler than me which is not that hard to do then then have at it but for just like your average rider that's just like i want to go do this route i try to be just as frank as possible where i like going as fast as possible but also being comfortable me personally going back, I would never ride something smaller than a 2.0 tire. Yeah. And this is a larger conversation for like the whole industry as a whole. And I know that there are some bike companies out there that are kind of making some bike packing specific drop bar bikes. But like there is still like this massive void where you know, with gravel bikes, it's like, it's a maximum of 29 by 2.1. And even that you're squeezing it. And that's mm -hmm. kind of like the cutoff. Mm -hmm. Definitely an opportunity, you know, salsa has like the cutthroat, which is the classic, but I would love to see some more kind of like gravel racing oriented yeah. geometry. No doubt. With more clearance. Right. Cause like There's for like me companies yeah. out there, but it's like, I want a gravel bike, right? Like that's yeah. the thing is I want to be able to throw slicks on this thing and yeah. ride, you know, hero gravel and ride pavement. But then I also, when I'm, you know, doing pinions and pines in Arizona. And at this point, like I'm going to say most bike packing races in the Western United States, if it's stagecoach, pinions and pines yeah. north to south colorado whatever you do don't go to tim tate's mixed utah epic <laughs> with something below a 2.1 you're yeah. going to have a miserable experience if you follow yeah. tim on instagram you see his pictures and it's like <laughs> we've got some moab utah chunk out yeah there, so. <laughs> yeah that, and that's the thing with like the cutthroat for instance i've i've spent some time on a cutthroat i've probably put in like a thousand miles on a cutthroat or so like the first time i did doom was on a cutthroat like all the way through the cutthroat i love that tire clearance and the way it rides but when it comes to racing it's i just wish i could be a little bit more forward a little bit more of like a gravel geo yep. um so like if you can start leaning more and more into that like crossover of 2.2 tires. Like where's the bike between the warbird and the cutthroat? That's what I want. If we're talking about salsa bikes, then that's what I had a lot of my experience of leading up to it. And like right now I'm on the Otso Wahila C it's closer to that convergence between the two. Um, but yeah, like if someone straight up is asking gravel bike or mountain bike, North, South Colorado, I'm going to like, gently push them towards mountain biking taking into your own personal preference for there for me i'm still going to rock the drop our bike and under under bike a little bit but that's that's going to be like kind of my final 
tidbit from there because I know that's what a lot of questions will be. And uh, otherwise, just hey, thank you, Mark. I know you're going to end up listening to this. Uh, thanks, man. That was like a really special experience, and I really appreciate you being there at the at the end. Awesome. Let's wrap it there, dude. Cool. Thanks a bunch. This has been fun. This has been episode 19 of the Bike Pack Racing Podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.